my name is Caroline. I'm the youth leader here at Discovery, and today I have the great honor and blessing to be sharing the stage with some amazing people. This is my first time, so yes, I'll have my notes. Um, and so today I wanted to talk to you guys about being desperate for the path God has for us. So in Psalms 3, 5 through 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord, thank you, and turn away from evil. Ooh, sorry. Okay. And so, um, let's see. I think all of us here can agree that driving on a straight road is way easier than driving on a curved road. And I know it's a bit random, but stay with me. I promise I'll circle it around. So driving on a straight road, it's kind of predictable, right? You know what lies ahead, you can prepare for what's next. Versus on a curved road, you don't really know what's on the other side, so you kind of drive with more precaution. Well, I didn't know this was true to me until about a year ago, I was speeding to work. And my mom doesn't know this story, she's here right now. And so <laughs> I didn't know that, so I was, uh, I was driving on a two-way lane road, right? And someone on the opposite lane flashed their lights at me, warning me about something. And I didn't know what they meant until I went on to the other side of the curve. And uh, unfortunately, there was a cop waiting for me or <laughs> giving speeding tickets. Fortunately, he, gave, he left me off on a warning. But I'm telling you this story because it made me realize that life is like more like a curved road and not a straight road. Life Ooh. can be very unpredictable. So, but I believe that God and the Holy Spirit are always there to show us and guide us and most importantly, show us some warning signs. Yeah. So today I wanna talk about being sensitive to listening to those warning signs. So the first one is trust is a must. I believe that in order to trust God, we must be obedient. Yeah. And I had to learn this through trial and error, right? So whatever warning sign God gives you, whether it be big or small, you kind of have to grab it and lean towards that, right? And as soon as we know it, God becomes more of our friend instead of being a little bit less intimidating. And just like every good friend, God has the best interest for you and the best intentions, and he gives a great advice. Yeah. Um, number two, it is, where are you? It's a double-sided. Um, number two is you have to get to know the character of God. In Psalms 3.6, it says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Um, so Solomon here is the author of this chapter, and he gives us really interesting directions. He tells us to follow God, who is someone we can't touch or see. But what happens when you can't see? Your other senses strengthen, right? And one of these are being your ears. So I believe that in order to listen to what God sounds like audibly is to um, spend time with him. And then the third one, which is my last point, learning how to be humble. In Proverbs 3, 7, it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Mm. I think that this verse says a lot about humility. And I think that once we let God be God and face the fact that he knows what he's doing, we get to release more pressure of ourselves yeah. and not stress on things that we want for ourselves, but what God wants in our life. So my final thought to you guys is, that because life is more like curves and not like straight roads, I want to encourage us to um, be, uh, wow, I'm blinking out already. Okay, to be sensitive to what God has for us. That's good, yeah.
good, thanks. I think it follows along with what I am desperate for. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Judy. And <laughs> the verse I want to share with you is from John. Well, first of all, I am desperate for finishing the work that God has given me to do. The verse I want to share with you this morning is from John 17, 4, where it says, I brought you glory here on earth by completing the work that you've given me to do. Four Sundays ago, on May 1st, I stood up here and was, I was, thank you, God. I was, I was brought into the ministry as far as leadership team of being a minister pastor, a licensed minister pastor. And you know what? That morning something changed in me. Something changed in my heart. And something changed in my mind, my thinking, my thoughts, the way I perceive things now. That morning something changed in my attitude. Something changed in my heart. Something changed in my action. And this morning, I want you to know that you are loved. God loves you. This morning, I want you to know that you are valuable. This morning, I want you to know that you are unique. You are special. You are loved. You have a purpose. You are gifted. You are created. You are talented. And don't quit and don't give up because God has a purpose for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. I want, as I was given the opportunity here, to share what I am desperate for, for finishing the work that God's given me to do. I want you to take a moment this afternoon or this evening, and I want you to ask yourself, what are you desperate for? And why are you desperate for what you're desperate for? You see, family, church, God, God doesn't need us. God wants us. God wants each of us. You see, we're saved by love. The word says, for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. We are saved by love of our pastors that love God, that loves you. We are saved by God's love. And I want you to know this morning that it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen on May 1st. For me, it didn't happen that way. For me, it happened when I stepped into the doors of Discovery Church. For me, it happened when I started coming every day, every Sundays. I started getting involved. For me, it happened when I surrendered and I started serving in this house. For me, change happened and I started running my race 
finishing the work that God gave me to do. He's given each one of us to do. He has. And it started when I surrendered. It started when I humbled myself. It started when I said yes to God. It started when I tr started to trust. Because eight years ago, I came into this house with dysfunctional thinking. Eight years ago, ago I came into this house with, you know what, trust issues. So I am here to encourage you. It didn't happen overnight. And you can't get alone with God and find out, alone with yourself and find out what are you desperate for? What are you and why are you desperate for? My why is because I desire and I have decided to glorify God here on the earth, glorify Jesus here on the earth for the work that he's given me to do. And I just want to encourage you this morning I want to encourage you watching on social media. I want to encourage you that the best is yet to come. And have faith and have hope and trust God. Amen. Good job, Caroline and Judy. Good job. Well, I am Mike Peterson. I am the outreach director here at the church. And today, I am desperate for God's brand. I want us to take on and have an understanding of God's brand. And our verse we're looking at is 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are not like that. So key words right there. I want you to remember that right there. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. By show of hands, has anyone ever read Nathaniel Hawthorne's A Scarlet Letter? Okay, a couple people. So we don't have a whole lot of book scholars in there, but hey. <laughs> so, a uh, young girl named Hester had an affair with Reverend Dimsdale, and she became with child, okay? Well, back in those days, I forgot what year it was set in. I think it was, what, early 1900s, right? 1800s, something like that, right? And back in those days, that was like, you know, having a baby out of wedlock. Hey, you don't do that, right? So society, the world, branded her. They put a big A on her clothes. So she can walk around town so everyone would know that she is an adulteress. Can we imagine that today if the mistakes that we made was on us everywhere we went? See, society, the world, told her something. And they let the world know that, hey, this person done this. But you know what? Here's what I said. Now remember this right here? But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. So when we believe, accept, and confess that Jesus is the boss, the Lord of our life, right? This is what he calls us right here. Yeah. See? Right? 
In other verses of the Bible, he calls us his masterpiece, okay? So when you have a sculptor, a creator of something, right? To that creator, to that sculptor, you know, like Da Vinci, right? Um, say some other, Monet, right? Their masterpieces to them are priceless, okay? Well, guess what? God is our creator. God created us in his own image, okay? So you know what? To, uh, to him, we are priceless, okay? So when we start to sink into a lie that society brands us and society tells us something that we're not just because something that we did, it help, it stops us, it prevents us from reaching our full potential and the things that God has us to do, okay? And I had permission from this, this certain lady, but as an example, notice lady for a long time, I always asked her, how come you don't serve in the church? She says, oh, I want to so bad. She had such a passion, such a drive to just serve God to her fullest, but she couldn't. And I asked her why, and she said, well, because I'm an alcoholic. I says, okay, how long have you been an alcoholic? She says, for 25 years. Then I asked her, when was the last time you had a drink? And she said, 15 years ago. So I said, for 15 years, you called yourself an alcoholic. For 15 years, that stopped her from doing things that she desires to do. And her desire is to serve God. So once she truly believed what God calls her, and she believed, but that's, but you are not like that anymore. Then she was, then she thrived. And now she is actually a worship leader and a church in Sacramento. See? So when we take on God's brand and take off the branding and not choosing to take on the branding that society labels us and puts on us, then we can reach our full potential for the things that God has us to do. So, amen. That's the ticker, if you guys don't know, it's not somebody's phone. Anyway, hi, I'm Janice. <laughs> um, I'm Janice, and today I wanted to uh, share with you the desperation for changing your mind. And our verse comes from Philippians 4, 8. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Now, the story that I want to tell you, it's a little bit of a downer, but I promise it like gets better. <laughs> um, so in 2017, I'm sure you heard of it, there was a Tubbs fire. Well, my family and I, we lost our home during that fire, and we weren't the only family. Our entire neighborhood was obliterated, and it was, it was crazy. So, uh, you know, it, it was, I, I think the best way to, to remember that time is just it being really bizarre. From one day, you, like, have your home and everything, and then the next day, you just don't. And, you know, one thing that my family and I, we just, we just did without thinking. I think it was God's grace over us. We started not only just, like, dealing with what just happened of lo losing our home and, and dealing with, you know, what that meant, but we were looking for, like, 
the, the positive things. We were excited to have a new home. We were excited to have new furniture and new appliances and like going shopping. And, you know, my mother gets to design her own kitchen from scratch, something that she thought she could never do. But somehow as a family, we just looked at the brighter picture. That's where our mind went. That's where our time and energy went. It's obviously not being delusional on the fact that we lost our home, but thinking ahead and thinking about positive things and thinking about the newness that was going to enter our lives, which would be a new family home. Now, I bring up this story this morning because we have the authority to change our mind and control where our mind dwells. Do we dwell on, does God want us to dwell on the things that are sad and the things that are hurting us right now? Obviously not being delusional. I really want to enforce that. This is not toxic positivity. <laughs> we want to deal with what we have, what we're doing, what's happening right now. But God wants us, our mind, to focus on what's beautiful and what's lovely and what's true and what's, what he has in store for us for our future. And so I know that's easier said than done. Because every self-help book, I think, tells you to, like, focus on the positivity. But I think what we really, what God does is not only does he want us to dwell in the positivity and dwell on the newness that he has, but he actually meets us there as well. That he's actually there responding back to us. And the few, the few things I've done and I've heard other pastors kind of lay out is just a few, like, practices. Because I can tell this to you all day, but... If I don't share kind of like little, little tips, you know, you kind of go home with nothing. So seek truth is number one. Seek truth. Seek, seeking truth in God's word. The Bible has everything that we have ever dealt with in our entire life. The Bible is 100% re- relatable. And so every problem that you've gone through, every person that's ticked you off, every situation is in the Bible. And God shows us how to act, what to say, what to do, and the truth of us lies inside the Bible. So seek his truth. Next is write it down. Write down what those truths are. Write down what he's telling you. Write down the things that he's, he's showing you, the things that he's telling you about yourself, the things that he's telling you about your family and your friends. Write those things down. The third is to declare it. Grab your closest friends. Grab your family. Tell them, this is what God is telling me. This is what God has showed me, and this is what God thinks of me. Because whatever God is saying to you, it could be encouraging to someone else. And who knows, God is not just about one person. He's about everybody. So use that to to encourage other people to declare the truths that he has said over you. And the last one is believe the truth. Now, it's not easy to believe truth. It's not easy to just believe something. So what I do is I fake it till I make it. I do, I seek God, I write it, I declare it until I believe it. Because belief doesn't happen overnight. And I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and say, yes, you wake up in the morning, you believe in God, you believe in his wonderfulness. No, you have to work at it. And our God is so good and so wonderful that he meets us there. That, he, that, he, that we can trust that everything that we do and everything that we write down and pray for and believe for, he's going to meet us there. So seek truth, write truth, declare truth, and believe. <laughs> What a team. You guys are just awesome. It's a hard, tough act to follow, huh? Well, but it's not really an act anyway. Hey, you know that uh, 
Yeah, good save. Thank you, Jesus. You know that old uh, Southwest Airlines commercial, Want to Get Away? Do you? I do. And sometimes I notice when I want to get away the most, like last few years during the pandemic, I uh, wanted to get away a lot, uh, it's because I'm having a hard time finding rest in God's presence. And uh, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I know I've had a hard time. I've struggled with that lately. Um, so anyone desperate for rest? Come on, be honest. I am. That's what I'm talking about. Scripture tells us that even the creator of the entire universe rested on the seventh day. So I want to talk to you briefly about spiritual rest, which I believe connects to physical rest. So here's our scripture. It's a little different than my scripture. The scripture I had a little different translation, but it's pretty close. It's out of Matthew's gospel, talking about being desperate for his rest. Then Jesus said, come to me. Say that. Come to me. Come to me. That's the key. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, anybody got a few of those? And I, Jesus promises here, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest, find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Is that good news? I like that. I think it's one of my, become one of my favorite verses. So a great promise here. Jesus promises us rest if we'll simply come to him, learn from him, and be yoked with him. By the way, yoke, we don't use that maybe in a very positive way uh, nowadays too much. But in the old days, the yoke was, you know, an, an oxen would be a team with a, an older, strong oxen that knew how to do its stuff would be teamed with a young, learning oxen. Now, I want, to, I want you to guess who's the strong ox in this equation. It's Jesus, okay? Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the strong ox. I've taken the, the main bulk of the load. Because a yoke is something you put on both shoulders. It would go across from one shoulder to the other. It's made out of wood, usually. And, and it would be between the two animals so they could pull the cart or whatever they were happening to be doing. But Jesus is saying, I've got this. I've got the heavy burden, okay? I've got the main thing. I'm the strong ox for you in this relationship. So you just need to be learning. Now, first of all, I'd say, am I, am I in close enough vicinity to be yoked? Oh. <laughs> am I close enough? Because there's a yoke. This is no joke. Hey. There's a yoke. It's not an egg yoke. It's for ordinary folk, this yoke. This is not a joke. He's got a good yoke, and he's taking the main burden for you, okay? And he's saying, if you just come to me, come to me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Hey, let's ask yourself a question real quick. Do I, am I feeling a little overwhelmed? I do a lot of times. What am I doing with that? Because that's a signal to me. Because every time I'm feeling overwhelmed, every time I'm, I'm like under it, uh, that's a signal that I'm not yoked with Jesus, not correctly. Because he's telling me his yoke is easy. Is your yoke hard? Well, wait a second here. Let's that's a time for a checkup. Internal checkup time. Wait a second. He says his yoke is easy. Maybe this is what I'm doing right now. I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm doing it apart from him. There's two things, many things that happen in this world. You either try to do it in your own strength and you get burnt out and overwhelmed, or you give up because you're not being yoked and you're not even trying anymore and you're down in depression and despair. Those are the two things that happen apart from Jesus. But if you're partnering with Jesus, you're satisfied because his yoke is easy and his burden is light and you can rest. You know that you're going to be your best. Now, you can, you can take this one home. I, I know this is from the Spirit. 
You're going to be your all-time best when you're yoked with Jesus. You're going to find the most rest when you're yoked with Jesus. You're going to be satisfied because you know, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing more than I'm supposed to be doing. How many people do that? I do. I'm not doing less than I'm supposed to be doing. How many people do that? I do. So yoke with him, and it's easy. Give him your burdens. His burdens are light. His burdens are light. There is a yoke, yes, but it's easy. There is a burden, but it's light. That's God's promise. Is that a good word? One of our sons went to this Christian school, and i got to repeat this because this is, this is hilarious. I'm using a couple extra seconds here. The teacher taught the kids to memorize this. Good, better, best, never let it rest. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better best. Well, we thought, hey, you know, she's trying. But my wife came up with a new version. Good, better, best. In his goodness, you can rest. In his goodness, you can rest. He'll make your good better and your better best. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, family. My name is Vanessa Pita. I am the better half of the two. So, um, my topic today, this is our last week. John said that, I promise you, uh, for the topic desperate for. And one of the things uh, that I was on my heart for the last couple weeks and um, everything that has transpired in our, in our um in our country, um, I was like, well, this is not really a political thing, but I felt like it was needed to share today. And my topic is desperate for change. And what I mean by change is more of in a practical sense of ourselves and what God does in our lives to help grow us and how change is necessary. Um, my verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, that's a change, it's not a good change, but it's a change, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. God is renewing us day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, so our good and our bad time, we are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Bigger picture. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My daughter, uh, Madison, she is such a sweetheart. I love her so much. And she's uh, a couple weeks ago on, or a month ago now, for Mother's Day, she gave me the, my favorite color, which is purple, a little pot with some soil and a seed. And at first, obviously, nothing was uh, there. And then the very next day after the uh, pot got some sun and some water, some love, we saw a little sprout. And with that sprout, a little stem, came two leaves. And each day, we progressively saw some change. And I say this and I share this to you, even although though every change was like a small, minus, just a very minute change, the importance of change for growth. Now, the importance of seeing the change, okay, so, so I believe change is synonymous with growth. You cannot have growth unless there is change. Yeah. Why, sometimes it's so hard for us to accept change in our life because one, it takes us out of our comfort zone, and two, it can be scary because it's uncertain. But what the Lord has promised in that change is one, we can go back to the verse as of what God says, therefore, um, 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Like the Lord has promised to renew us if we open our hearts to him. That he will renew our mind. He will renew our hearts, our desire. Like the Lord is all about changing us. As Janice said, it doesn't happen overnight or a couple people alluded to. It doesn't. It's a growth. It's a change. It's a process. So I want you to be, we need to learn to embrace the change. And then also, I want to I want to also point out that though uh, for a light, so both the good and the bad, God uses these different seasons in our lives to help change our perspective because He's growing us, He's changing our minds, He's changing our hearts, He's changing our situation by growing us, and that we can only not only be effective to ourselves but the people around us. Um, I, I want to leave you with this, and I know this is, this is uh, kind of harsh, but when there's no change, it can lead to death. So I want to go back to the seed that God has planted in your hearts, that vision, that, uh, that desire, that promise that he gave you. Like, continue to water it. Continue to grow. Embrace the changes that happen in your life, because with those changes, his promise will be befitting fulfilled in your life and so when I, I think it's so important I was talking to my husband and and like in our relationship when we first got married I'm just going to share it very quickly but it was an adjustment like I was messy and I always I'm the third born I'm the baby so my mom always had to clean up after me and my husband his mom was a perfectionist she like she like it's so it's so different it's just so different I felt so bad for him so it was a rude awakening but anyways what we had to do in our relationship is we had to change my husband had to be more accepting and more patient with my lack of observation of of my surroundings and I had to learn to be more aware of my surroundings today I just want to encourage you that change is good (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.